Locked On NBA. The biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we will talk with Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavericks about all the news across the NBA, players returning from injury, players ruling themselves out for the season, discussion of lottery odds, what's happening in Chicago, roster expansion for the NBA bubble. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Plenty of stuff happening over the last couple of days since the NBA announced their plan to return to action on July 31st. So let's get to it. Nick Angstad is here with me of Locked On Mavericks. Nick, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. So what we're going to do, of course, the NBA announced their return to play uh, plan uh, at the end of last week. I'm not going to go through all the details of that because most of that was covered on Locked On NBA last week. But a few interesting things have come up over the last couple of days, Nick. Um, one thing is that the lottery odds. Um, so the teams that have been invited that don't make the playoffs, they, so your Wizards, most likely your teams like the Suns and the Spurs who may not get in, Whoever those other six teams are that don't make the playoffs, these regular season, and I say regular season, fake regular season games in Orlando, <laughs> they won't count towards the overall uh, lottery odds for the um, uh, for the NBA draft. So it's going to be, as things currently stand, with the Golden State Warriors having you know, the number one spot, the Cavs are at number two, and then, of course, that goes into the NBA lottery. So those ch- odds can't be changed by uh, performances here in Orlando. Yeah, so that um, kind of de-incentivizes some teams from, you know, tanking. There was a talk that maybe the Suns or the Wizards would be like, hey, let me just go tank real quick and tank these eight games. And then uh, I think the the Wizards specifically, they could jump in front of, in a lottery odds, they could jump in front of um, Charlotte and Chicago if they lost all eight of those games. So that de-incentivizes Washington. So it looks like we'll probably get... You know, Washington may be trying, hopefully. Probably, hopefully Brad Beal playing in some games. Maybe he'll take the Damian Lillard path of, well, if we have no chance to make the playoffs in, in this, then I won't play. But at least it de-incentivizes the, you know, the tanking. The interesting thing was going to be with the Wizards. Like they're already, you know, four or five games behind the, the Magic and the Nets as it stands. And you have to be within four games at the end of the regular season to even you know, qualify for the play-in uh, segment. So they lose their first couple and then it's over. So what are they going to do for those final six? Beal's not going to be out there. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly. Of course, uh, we're going to talk about this in a second. John Wall's not going to be returning to play. So they could be, in theory, it stops them tanking, but it also, with the way it's set up, if they don't win the first couple and or if the Magic and Nets don't lose their first couple, then they're pretty much cooked anyway. So there's no way of them getting in. So there's, we're not going to be seeing competitive basketball from the Wizards for most of that time. And that's going to go similarly for other teams the three and a half, four game back teams like the Suns and the Spurs, you know, Aiton and Booker and you know, Aldridge, if these guys, if they lose their first couple, they're just no way of catching even into that because they've got to be within that that margin of the eight seed. It's just, it's going to be over pretty quickly for them. 
Yeah, so at least we'll get a couple of good games, right? Okay, at least they'll yeah, just play until maybe you know they're completely out of it. Do you think we'll there's maybe three or four? Do you think there's incentive for the other teams, like the teams that, that are locked in, or even like your Mavericks? Like, apart from tuning players up uh, to get them ready for the playoffs, how much, how important is is seeding going to be for these teams? Are we going to see thirty five minutes of Luka Doncic? Are we going to get Kristaps uh, Porzingis playing? He's full allotment of minutes, or it's just going to be Carlisle running out a 12-man rotation where everyone plays 20 minutes to get them sort of tuned up for the actual games. Because if they finish in the sixth spot or the seventh spot or the fifth spot, does it really matter that much? For the Mavericks specifically, yeah, the seventh spot, you know, the difference between seven, six, and five is a huge difference. And they're only a game and a half out of five right now behind the Thunder and then again behind Houston for six. But uh, you've got to duck the Clippers in, in any way possible because that team is just, I mean, that team just steamrolls the Mavericks. The Mavericks, I think, played one game where they got destroyed by them this year and another game where they were actually pretty close, but they ended up still losing the game. So ducking the Clippers, I think, is huge for the Mavericks. But it'll be interesting to see how these teams, the Mavericks and, and other teams in general, how they, you know, address and how they approach these eight games because like you said our our players like like Christoph Porzingis or players like James Harden Russell Westbrook like are those guys going to play a ton of minutes because they're coming back and you know from this long layoff this layoff that's been legitimately the same length as an offseason for a team that didn't make the playoffs and so you're coming back from this huge this huge layoff and you're just going to rush back into, you know, 40 minutes a night, these teams that are trying to improve their stock or try to improve their standings. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how medical staffs, I think approach that. And then coaches as well, how they follow that. I wonder if we'll get to hear any input, you know, or any reports from medical staffs that say, you know, we don't think it's safe for players to come back and play this amount of minutes this long or whatever. Uh, or if we just see guys just jump right into it, they have the, you know, the three week training camp or so, They'll get to kind of get back in shape and then maybe they'll be ready to just ready to go full force. And then it'll be uh, for some of these teams, the Mavericks, the Rockets, some of these teams that are jockeying for position. It could be like an extra series, eight games of really hard fought basketball that try to, um, you know, help them duck the Clippers, Lakers, you know, whoever they can uh, get out of the way of in the West. Well, you mentioned a good point then. You talk about ducking the Clippers and I agree with that in theory, but the Clippers are almost six games behind the Lakers for the one seed. What This is a team that has been, you know, Cavalier is not the right word, but they haven't cared about resting their players. How much is Kawhi going to play? How much is Paul George going to play? How much is Patrick Beverly going to play? How much are any of these guys going to play in this um, regular season? For What's the incentive for them? So with the Nuggets being one and a half games behind the Clippers, maybe Denver pushes into that two seed. The Mavericks then win, get into the six seed, and still have to face the Clippers. So it's no... Well, it seems that, yeah, on paper, the Clippers are the best or second best team in the Western Conference. I don't think people would debate that. But if they're not going full out, if Kawhi plays three games out of the eight games, which I don't think anybody would be surprised about, and then Denver jumps them, yeah, Utah maybe doesn't, you know, that's going to be harder for them to do that because they're three and a half games uh, behind the two seed at the moment. But the Clippers could fall into, into the third spot. And then, yeah, do the Mavericks then not try to win to get into the sixth seed to avoid them? <laughs> like, do there's a better in the seventh seed? There's so much weird stuff's going to go. So, yeah, playing, you're de- developing your plan to try and pick your opponent. It's going to be really hard because other the other teams may have opposite ideas, and you're thinking that the Clippers will just keep winning at their you know seventy percent win clip, and, and I don't really think that's necessarily going to be the case here in Orlando. Yeah, it, it could. However, the Clippers though. They have some of these guys that have been sitting for a while and they might want to not play the Lakers in the second round, right? That's that, that would be their 
that would be their reality if they you know, slip down to three then. Uh, and they also have to get back and ready, too. They've had some guys that have been out from, for injuries, and uh, they they keep saying the whole year that they haven't had their team together. Oh, if we had our whole team together, this is how good we are. And so now they're, they'll finally have their whole team together, and maybe this is the tune-up that they actually need, eight games for a tune-up to get you know in real shape. Because we all think that the Clippers are going to you know waltz to the finals uh, and you know potentially pass the Lakers as well to get there. And... I don't know if that's you know necessarily the, the case. Uh, I think that this team is going to need some time to kind of gel, and maybe they need two rounds. Maybe they just need one round. Maybe one round, and they play you know the Mavericks or the Rockets or whoever, and then they just absolutely destroy them, and then we're like, okay, the Clippers, are, you know, the Clippers are back. But uh, yeah, that'll be be interesting to see you know from the Clippers standpoint. If you're looking for a great way to get rid of these quarantine pounds, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that you can find. Built Bar, covered in 100% chocolate. It's not like other protein bars that taste like you're eating sawdust mixed with cement. Built Bar tastes like a candy bar. And with 16 great flavors, plus special edition flavors they're releasing all the time, you cannot go wrong with Built Bar. Not only do they taste great, they're covered with 100% chocolate, but they are also low-calorie, high-protein bars. 20 grams of protein in the peanut butter brownie bar, only 170 calories and three grams of sugar. You cannot ask for a better nutritional profile than that. And with Built Bar, if you go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On. You can save $10 off your first order. Get yourself a box, 18 bars. It's about $37. Get $10 off that. What a fantastic deal for the best tasting protein bars, low calorie, high protein, great flavors. Built Bar is what you need to be checking out. So go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on to save $10 off your first order. Now, you did bring up something interesting there, which I do want to talk about, and that is these injured injured players or players who have been um, you know, weren't playing at the time when the season was suspended in March, and we did get some news on that. Now, Kevin Durant has come out and said he won't be returning this season. Um, yeah, there was thought, oh, maybe KD is going to come back, Kyrie is going to come back, the Nets are going to push. Well, KD said that he's out. John Wall has said that he won't be returning either. The Magic have, have pretty much come out and said that Jonathan Isaac and Al Aminu won't be playing. Boyan Bogdanovich won't be playing for the Utah Jazz. Uh, Dwight Powell, of course, uh, Nick, for your Mavericks, he will be. Uh, he won't be <laughs> returning. There is some question mark over, say, Kyrie Irving, though. Um, I think Woj tweeted that out a, a day or so ago, saying that there's a chance that Kyrie could return for the Nets. But there is a bunch of other players who could be returning who's, who's going to make a pretty big difference. And I think you know, out of these, I'll, I'll give you this group of names that I've got here, and you can tell me which one of these is probably the, the most impactful. I, I think the answer is pretty clear. But Ben Simmons is going to be back for Philadelphia. Yusuf Nurkic. That's the first name I thought of. Yeah, that's to me, that's the one. Like, if he is back, and they may have struggled through that first round series because there was no, there's no guarantee that he was going to be right for that. So he's going to be back. How they look. Al Horford was also dealing with some knee injuries. Not that he's been playing well when he's healthy, but they're going to be healthy. Nurkic and Zach Collins will be back for the Blazers. In what sort of capacity, we're not sure. But Nurkic was set to return about three days after the uh, the suspension of the league in March. So he's going to be back. Kelly Oubre is going to be back for Phoenix. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's going to be back for the Pacers. Jaron Jackson's going to be back for the Grizzlies. Out of that group of players, I think it is pretty clear that Simmons is going to be the most impactful one there because the other ones, Nurkic, Oubre, uh, Collins, those guys might not even get into the playoffs. Um, yeah, Jaron Jackson, Malcolm Brogdon, I'm not sure that's going to really swing things. Uh, to me, it's it's Simmons who is the real big swing factor here if he is ready to go from that back injury. Yeah, Simmons is the, the big name. He's the one that um, 
is on the team that matters, I guess. If yeah, you want to say that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the team that we think has the potential to get to an Eastern Conference Finals or maybe even get to the finals. Uh, they have that potential because of Joel Embiid. But I think Malcolm Brogdon also is, is going to be really important for this Pacers team. And it, he may be able to swing a series. You know, the difference between having him and not having him. Victor Oladipo coming back. I don't know if that's going to be a positive or a negative. You know, he, uh, you know, he came back from that injury and then he looked decent at times, but he was chucking the ball up a lot and he wasn't hitting a lot of shots and so uh, i wonder if this layoff will be good for him or if it'll just add more rust to him uh that team is is one to really watch whether they play uh, miami or boston uh, whoever they end up playing philadelphia i think even could could get up there potentially and get to the four spot but um yeah whoever whoever they play against i think that brogdon will definitely matter for the pacers for sure so in you know, looking at this and talking about brogdon and I, I, the yellow depot one's interesting so i think that might actually hurt him considering he was sort of just trying to ramp back up and now having a, another setback in terms of just time frame in getting that rust off that might not be a great thing for him but who do you think which team is, is going to benefit the most here is it philadelphia from this layoff is it you know throw a name out like the lakers with lebron being as old as he is, the fact that they were playing so much, him and Anthony Davis, to try and push for that number one seed and really show that dominance, is him having a four-month vacation going to really benefit them the most? Which team do you think benefits the most from not playing for four and a half months? I'm throwing a wild card out there. Okay. Um, I think the Denver Nuggets. There's been reports. Jokic has got a four-pack. There's been reports from inside the Nuggets camp, (laughs) from from the man that employs Nikola Jokic. That he has a four pack working. Yep. That the abs are visible. That he has gotten in shape. There's been a photo of Jokic, and he looks thin, and he looks in shape. Uh, that could be huge because he just needed, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, like a, a month of P90X or whatever to get in the shape. And it, appear, it appears like he's actually gotten in that shape. Uh, that that team is is fascinating to me to see how Jokic comes back because if he is as as you know thin or as in shape as people have said and as the picture is shown, that could First of all, change his game completely, maybe in a positive or negative, but that could also help the Nuggets. Well, the thing with Jokic is we remember him being fat at the start of the season, right? <laughs> and he did struggle. But I think the thing that, that gets is a little bit underappreciated is that he was when the season was playing, January, February, March, he was dominating. And he had lost that weight. And the worry was, in four and a half months, is he going to turn back into the Jokic that drinks you know, full two-liter bottles of Coke every day and put on that extra you know, 25, 30 pounds? But he hasn't. So if he's going to carry over that form from January, February, March, where he was just actually dominating games and has now somehow you know, popped a couple of those muscles out in the abdominal region, then that is a, that is a, a real uh, a real um, thing. Then can Gary Harris get over his whatever the hell's been going on with him for two years? Yeah, true. Is he going to stay healthy and actually hit some shots? Um, where's Michael Porter? Can they just can they just lock Gary Harris in a room for the last two months? I hope they have done that. Just in a, a gym and just lock him in some kind of gym, quarantine him in a gym to sh- shoot up threes because that's just what that team needs so bad. Yeah, exa- exactly. So they are they are really interesting. And that could that be that team that then takes that uh, number two seed off the Clippers and uh, and becomes a, a real challenge. And it, I, I like that you did bring that up though because uh, that Jokic um, thing was was a real concern. And uh, we're we're looking looking pretty good with that at uh, at this current stage in uh, in proceedings now. A couple other things that did happen over the, over the oh go ahead Nick. The Lakers though, I think the Lakers though did dodge you know potentially a bullet. They have some older players, you know, like like LeBron is the key one obviously, but like Danny Green, Avery Bradley, like some of these guys aren't the you know the Jared Dudley even. Some Dwight of these guys Howard. aren't the youngest and. 
Dwight Howard for sure. They they dodged a whole bunch of these games at the end uh, where there's potential for injury. And LeBron was playing a huge load because they needed him. And for him to get that time off, and you know he's going to stay in shape because he spends, what does he spend, a million dollars a year on his body? He's got gyms and all that. I mean, he's got the ability to work out during this stoppage. So th- I think that team really did benefit from this as well. Successful people are always looking to learn, but sometimes finding the time for that can be hard. And that's where Blinkist comes in. It's one of the most useful apps that you can get because what it does is it gets a whole bunch of non-fiction books and condenses all of their key takeaways down to just 15 minutes. Now, whether that's 15 minutes of reading, 15 minutes of listening, Blinkist does that for you. Those key takeaways so that you can get that information into your brain, digest the information and have time for other activities. You don't have to spend four or five hours reading a nonfiction book. Blinkist does that for you and tells you what you need to take away from that book. You can get a book like Upheaval, Turning Points for Nations in Crisis by Jared Diamond, The Secrets of Power Negotiating by Roger Dawson. All those books condensed down to just 15 minutes of actionable information. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want, all for one low price. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA, try it for free for seven days, and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. Let's talk about some other news now over over the weekend um, regarding the uh, Black Lives Matters issues uh, across the across the NBA. We had Michael Jordan Nick uh, donate or pledge to donate a hundred million dollars over the next ten years. Fifty million of that coming from Jordan Brand and fifty million of that coming from his own personal uh, fortune wealth. Um, I've seen some people tweet out yeah, hilariously that that uh, yeah, someone told <laughs> told Jordan that uh, yeah, other charities had uh, had gone out there and uh, and dropped 35, <laughs> 10, and ten. So he uh, he went out there and said oh, they put five million out. Don't worry about that, mate. Hundred million dollars. Here we go. But that is obviously a huge pledge from Jordan, who in the past has been really heavily criticised for his lack of uh, social engagement and social involvement. Yeah. That's a massive amount. And we saw, of course, Nick, over the weekend, plenty of players participating in these protests. Uh, Russell Westbrook was out in Houston. Damian Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo was out in Milwaukee. Steph, of course, uh, famously caught on camera uh, you know, giving his thoughts on, on Donald Trump, DeMar DeRozan out there uh, at the uh, at the Compton protests as well. So plenty of players getting out. Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon a few weeks ago. Plenty of players getting out, visibly supporting um, supporting these protests as well. So lots of activism from the NBA, which is not really a surprise at all. No, absolutely not. And uh, we saw Mark Cuban and a lot of the stateside Mavericks. Yep. Um, you know, Maxi Klebo. We saw Jalen Brunson. We saw Justin Jackson. We saw Dwight Powell. We saw a whole bunch of players. You know, get involved in the Dallas protests. Uh, it's been it's been awesome to see them. You know, step step out and to make their voice heard and to to be out there uh, and to see some of them walking around and just to see NBA players back into. You know, our, our normal everyday lives was awesome. And to see the, you know, uh, I think my favorite player that, that tweeted out something this weekend was Bill Russell uh, last night. I think this, this was Saturday night. Um, Donald Trump tweeted something out about uh, about the Drew Brees and, you know, kneeling for the na- national anthem. Like all that stuff is back up again, which is absolutely ridiculous. That that's, <laughs> that's back in the, the conversation again. But uh, Bill Russell tweeted a picture of himself kneeling. And he said, you projected your narrative that taking a knee is disrespectful and un-American. It was never about that. You are a divisive and a coward. It takes true courage to stand up for what is right and to risk your life in the midst of a pandemic. Proud to kneel. Black Lives Matter. And 
if one guy in the world knows <laughs> that Black Lives Matter and how to make his voice heard and to how to make a change, it's Bill Russell. Because this guy, I mean, one of the first black you know, NBA players, one of the, the, the first black coach. I mean, he is a guy that has been there, has made his voice heard, and has actually lived through some of the worst of it. Yeah, exactly. And of course, yeah, highly respected across the entire NBA community and, and sports world and uh, obviously not afraid to to uh, to speak out uh, with what he believes. So it's been fantastic just to see all these players, past players, in really getting out there and, and putting not only their money where their mouth is, but putting them themselves out there as well to uh, to to show what that what they support in this uh, in this time uh, across the United States. Um, one other thing that we want to talk about here. The Chicago Bulls, of course, they did finally rid themselves of the uh, pandemic that is Garpax with uh, Taurus <laughs> Carnicevus coming in as the GM. Now, everyone's waiting with bated breath, as all Bulls fans are. What the hell is going to happen with Jim Boylan? There has been no official report on that, but it is sort of leaking out that Carnicevus wants to get rid of Boylan. And maybe there's some pushback from uh, from your mate, Jerry Reinsdorf, who has been, uh, you know, I guess, notoriously cheap. Over the years, so there's that. There, <laughs> there are reports coming out that uh, Ima Udoka could be the favourite to get the job. Adrian Griffin's name, Kenny Atkinson's name, has been mentioned as well. But I do want to talk about uh, a quote that Zach Levine had over the last couple of days, where he was asked about uh, you know, whether he wants Jim Boylan back, and I think it's fair to say, Nick, that he wasn't um, he wasn't effusive in his uh, demand that Boylan remains. The only player I've seen come out and say that was Thomas Sadoransky, who I feel like was just being very um, uh, politically correct in, in that answer, but the other players asked have all been like, mm, "Not, not my, not my call." Not like you know, we really want coach to come back. And if it, if players aren't saying that, even if they don't want the coach to come back, they'll often come out and say that. But for them to just be like, "Oh, not my decision," uh, someone else can make that call. That is uh, pretty telling about how they feel. <laughs> yeah, I, I man, I'd love to be a fly on the wall just to see their reactions to you know some of those practices that they talked about Jim Boylan where he made him do all the push-ups and you know things like that just to see as many eye rolls as I possibly can uh, and to know what this team actually feels about this coach. Uh, I don't follow the, the Bulls particularly close. They haven't been a team that's been in you know the national eye this year, but uh, it didn't seem from afar. Like this team was super excited to play for Jim Boylan. Like they rallied around him. It didn't seem like a lot of people that know better than me thought, thought that he was even a good coach this year. Uh, and so I'd be surprised if he stayed, you know, if he stayed any longer than he has right now, especially with a new, um, you know, new regime coming in with Garpax gone or Garpax, I guess, just even moved to a different area of the building, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> not even necessarily. Didn't, gone. Uh, I think. Gar has gone and Pax has been retired somewhere out, somewhere out the back, but he's still he's definitely still whispering. But here's here's what I'm going to end this with is here is the quote from Levine, and this is where you know where things things aren't great. I know for yeah. a fact he tries, he does his best, and as a player, that's all you can ask for. Look, hey, who do you think of the coach? Oh, uh, he does his best. Uh, as a player, I go out there, follow that lead, and try and do my job. And decisions like that, I leave up to higher management. And he says, I think you knew I was going to answer that correctly. Um, is that a correct answer? That's that's just him saying, I really want to shit on this guy, but but I actually can't. He he does what he can with what he has. Unfortunately, what he has isn't enough. That's my translation of Zach Levine's comments. We'll see exactly what happens over the over the coming days and weeks in that Chicago Bulls uh, coaching um, coaching decision. But of course, they're not going to be partaking in the festivities in Orlando. There's talk that some of these teams that didn't make it, like the Bulls and the Hawks. 
um, that they may be getting together for sort of summer league so their teams aren't out of action for 10 months. We'll be interesting to see how that all goes down. And once we have more information on that, you know, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it here on Locked On NBA. Nick, thank you for jumping on with me, talking about the news across the league over the last couple of days. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Van Exit. You can follow Locked On Mavericks. We're doing four to five days a week. It depends on the week. Uh, but we're talking all about the Mavericks return, Luka Doncic, Chris Alperzingis, all of that. Go and follow Nick. Check out Locked On Mavericks, of course. Subscribe to this show as well on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and give us a five-star review on Apple. It is a great way of helping out the show. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball and the network at Locked On NBA Net. Nick, thank you. Go get some built bars, everybody. Absolutely. Go get those built bars. Use that promo code locked on. And that'll do it for today's episode of Locked On NBA. Guys, thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.